Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of All Stats Aren't We, available only to our patrons. This week I spent some time talking to Seb Russell, Sports Interactive's Leeds United researcher, and Bill Reid, the brains behind the Out of Context Football Manager Twitter account. We talked all things Football Manager, the Leeds United corner of the game, and how much overlap there is between what we do and what Seb does as a researcher. We then talked about the subcultures of Football Manager, with Bill explaining how the game is more than just a game, it's a way of life. Before we get to that though, we just wanted to say thank you to those new subscribers we've picked up in the last week or so. Your support provides us with the data that we need to create the content we create and we're really thankful for that. Now that the season's back, we're able to get loads of material out for you and so hopefully you'll have found plenty of stuff on the Patreon to satisfy your needs. For example, today we released a piece of video analysis by Josh Hobbs looking at Rodrigo's full debut against Hull. If there's any other content you'd like to see, do get in touch and let us know. I should also say that there was some issue with Seb's audio. There's a little bit of a crackle in it and I apologise for that, but there was nothing I could do to get rid of it, unfortunately. Now over to my conversation with Seb and Bill. So Seb, hi, how are you doing? Hey, I'm not bad at all, thanks. How are you? Yeah, really good. It's good to good to have you on and it's also good to have Bill on too. Bill, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very good as well. We'll get you to introduce yourself separately and we can talk a little bit about what it is that you do. Um, this is going to be a football manager special. Um, we may talk a little bit about uh, fantasy football later on, but we'll focus on mainly football manager. So Seb, you work for Sports Interactive. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do for them? Sure. Um, so I'm our features designer, but I also am our Leeds United researcher, which dare I say is more interesting to uh, to us over here. So feature designer is a role I got, I'd say recently, it's been a little while now, uh, a couple, couple of years. Before that, I worked in QA in a couple of roles. And then uh, if you want the, the long version, before that, I was an actor after studying economics at university. So a, a logical career path, you could say. <laughs> Bill, you run a Twitter account which is dedicated to football managers. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, we're mostly known for being completely in context and stealing from Reddit, but I run <laughs> out of context football manager that just post football manager memes really so yeah that's basically what I do. 
So what I'm really interested in talking about today is um, just the the underlying Leeds United aspects of a football manager. You're both Leeds fans. You're both um, very aware of what goes on on Football Manager, and um, you. I think you both have you'll both have your ear to the ground in terms of uh, what I'm really interested in, which is Football Manager culture. Because I think we, before we were, we came on air, Bill and I we were talking about just the various sort of subcultures of football managers. There's different there's different people who play the game in different ways uh, you can play the game very seriously you can play the game in in, in maybe a less serious way and obviously the out of context uh, account is looking at some of the funnier aspects of, of football manager as well so let's start just talking to you Seb about what it is that you do um, in so far as you can tell us uh, with respect to, to Leeds United what does what does your life look like as a Leeds United researcher for, for a football manager? Uh, so, so on the uh, Leeds United research, which I guess is the, the night job, if you like, um, I'm part of a team which I think numbers about a thousand or so now around the world. Um, typically, each club will have a researcher. Obviously, some parts of the world will have one re- researcher for a few clubs. And then above us, there's a team of head researchers as well, who all report into the research and database department at FMHQ for SI. Um, and our job really is to be, I guess, the experts on our club. So in my case, Leeds United. And by expert, I mean, you know, it's more, it's probably more like being a sponge, right? Than being the authority. I, uh, I listen to, I listen to podcasts like the All Stats one, um, read as much about it as I can about us, watch as much of us as I can. When we, uh, when we used to be allowed to, to go to stadiums, I would, uh, I would go to Adam Road every week and go away where I could. And the idea is to gather all of the data, all of the information on Leeds United so it can be submitted into FM for what you see in game. And that includes probably the most interesting part, which is the player attributes, which I'm sure we'll go into in a bit more detail uh, later. But it is my job with a load of uh, mechanics in place and some checks and stuff. So I can't go and make Patrick Bamford, you know, 200 CA or the best strike in the world, even if I try. Is he not already? Oh, well, there's a little bit of improvement to go, you know, he could have scored two against Liverpool, no? <laughs> but I get you, I mentioned the head researchers earlier, that's, um, so I had a wonderful moment a few weeks ago where I was passed from a guy called Dean Gripton, who's looked after mm. me for a while, because he's our EFL researcher, a head researcher, mm. and uh, Pete Sottrell now looks after me, who's the Premier League researcher, mm. and um, and yeah, so they're the guys that, like I say, you know, make sure I don't do anything too silly, they give us some guidelines, I say some guidelines, I think the thing is about... 60 or 50 pages long something like that um and yeah so they modify the research that we put in for those people who don't know football manager you've, you've mentioned attributes um could you just give us a, a quick rundown of what what the the sort of underlying numbers for each player are is it is it the, the case that there's there's just a sort of full set of attributes and that's essentially the menu of how good a player is and, and you go from there or are there different uh, is there is there any sort of context in which there can be um different menus for different players um and i'm also interested i guess in in the notion of improvement because obviously there's there's a capacity for for players to improve there is that um that the the underlying number which goes from i don't know where it goes from but it goes up to 200 where you you, it's almost like a player ceiling right and and that can determine how good a player is so can you talk to us just about the mechanics of, of what a player is on the game yeah, absolutely. And yeah, feel free to interrupt with any questions because it's probably one of those that we could <laughs> talk all night on. I'll try and stay away from, you know, too many spoilers or anything about the game. But fundamentally, the way we describe a player in Football Manager is through a load of attributes and data points and variables which will inform how they're going to operate in the world in this, you know, in this, I say imagined, but it's a, it's a virtual reality copying the uh, copying real life, if you like. 
taking it forwards, um, how the player will operate in that. So when we talk about attributes, we mostly mean the playing attributes, which will be the ones you'll see on a player's profile. There's, I think there's about 30 of those, give or take. Uh, there's a lot of hidden attributes as well, which we can talk about a bit. But things like finishing. So anything you might describe, you see a player in real life, we mentioned Patrick Bamford. We know that maybe some of his strengths are his off the ball movement, his work rate, his pressing and closing down. So I've mentioned a couple of attributes there, so work rate and off the ball, but then something like pressing might be informed by a number of attributes that would combine together. And then there's finishing, for example, which is a very obvious one. So Patrick Bamford maybe doesn't have the best finishing, but he would have he would have higher, say, work rate. And this helps me describe how Patrick Bamford should perform in the game so that what you see in the game should be a good a good representation of what you see in real life with Patrick Bamford. The ideal scenario, and of course part of this is on the Match Engine team as well, who uh, create and balance our Match Engine, is that if we were to run, say for example, last season, where um, let's say you know Bamford scored, I think it was 16 goals. If we were to run last season in FM a thousand times, ideally Bamford averages 16 goals scored. Of course, that's not always quite the case, but the closer we can get to that with the research and the match engine working together, the better job we've done. Bill, feel free to jump in with questions as well, but I'm sure. just going to ask another couple of questions about, about the mechanics behind the game. So I have two questions. The first one I'm going to ask you is, how do you take into account someone's um, consistency? Is there a consistency measure in the game? Because, for example, if a player is 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 very good at in, in certain situations, but only one-fifth of the time um, versus another player how do you then rank that player say say I'm trying to I'm just trying to think if someone's a, a, a I'm just looking through here now technical someone's a technical player but they'll have good games every once every five times and um, and then in, in in the rest of the time they're not that good how do you differentiate between those players um, because presumably they'll have the same number on technicality and then yeah I'll push you again on um on the the notion of improvement as well so let's start with the first one then how do you how do you take into account like someone uh, someone's consistency is there is there some way of being able to take that into account yeah sure so I guess there's two answers to this one is there is quite literally an attribute called consistency mm -hmm. which is an under the hood thing you can see it in the editor so it's not too hidden away but it's something we don't want you to see in the playing of the game because like real life you know we don't actually have a literal consistency thing for a player hmm. it's something you determine by a by a bunch of variables but then I guess the longer answer for that is while we do literally have a consistency attribute it's not just that that's going to determine how successful and how continuously successful a player is so to take the really simple example, say, of Pat Bamford, if he's got, I think I've given him 13 finishing, but that only describes his literal technical ability at striking a ball in front of goal and producing a goal from it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, as we've seen, you know, plenty of times in real life, Mo Salah could be a good example of this and plenty of Premier League strikers. You can have someone who has great, great technique, but just has no composure in front of goal. So we have an attribute called composure. But we also have things like first touch. So if you're taking the ball first time and striking it, first touch will come in there. But also, even if you're taking a touch and setting yourself up, if you've got a terrible first touch, almost doesn't matter how good your finishing is if you let the ball get away from you. And so you can see how a number of things there will uh, will add up. Something like decision, decisions is an important one. Obviously, you need to decide what to do with it. And uh, to go back to your question you asked a moment ago as well, all of these attributes, uh, they are weighted depending on the position a player plays. So finishing for Patrick Bamford is weighted more heavily than, say, it was for uh, Liam Cooper, because obviously he's a centre-back. So finishing is less important for him. 
the we the reason I mentioned weightings is under the hood the way to at its simplest form, the way to describe a player's ability is a number from a scale of 1 to 200. Now, Messi, I believe, is 199. So you can see how we would scale down from there. Um, a really good player in the championship might be 130, 135. Calvin Phillips is 140, I think. And when I say is, I'm talking FM20, of course. And I presume Adam Forshaw is 200, right? He's the... I tried he's... to get 210 in, but you know, it broke. <laughs> so, yeah. Forshaw is actually really, when, when we talk a little bit later about um, you're saying how do you judge players and how do you see improvements and stuff, Forshaw is quite a good example of that alongside Dallas. Dallas is a nightmare. But um, yeah, so obviously when we have this number on the hood, if Pat Bamford who is off the top of my head, I think he's about 126 or something, that obviously is a number that I will go, okay, he sits about here in the quality of, of the league, in our squad and across the world. And I mentioned earlier, the head researchers, one of their jobs is to give us these guidelines. So in the championship, I should be looking at players in a range of, say, 100 to 130, but a star player might be 140, a, you know, a, a young prospect might be 90, something like that. But these are ballpark figures. And then what I'll do is that gives me a target to aim for. I will then give a player attributes from the range of 1 to 20, with 20 being the highest. The weightings earlier will help those uh, combine to add up to that total number. Um, not literally add up, obviously they're weighted. Um, and then I fiddle with it from there. So, you know, if I give Bamford 20 finishing, for example, and keep everything else true to how he performs in real life, he's probably going to come out too high. So I know I need to drop a few things. Mm. To go back to consistency then, so we do have this attribute uh, called consistency. And we also have loads of attributes that will then define how a player performs a certain action. The way consistency very, very loosely works is it's going to modify how all of those interact over a long period of time. So when I'm doing my research, the way I quite like to think of attributes is if Patrick Bamford has 13 finishing, that doesn't mean that every single finish is going to be a 13 out of 20 on like a quality scale. The way I like to think of it is it means... On a scale of 1 to 20, he is 13, as you, if, if, as it were, likely to produce a world-class finish. So if Messi has 20 finishing, he is extremely likely to produce a world-class finish. Bamford, less so. Someone with two finishing, and you see this in FM all the time, right? You see, you know, oh, this opposition centre-back scored an absolute banger against me, and he only has two long shots. Well, of course, that's possible. Ben White, the last goal he scored last season, was amazing. But I don't think anyone has seen him do that before, and I don't think I've given him particularly good long shots or finishing. It doesn't mean they can't do these things, it just means they're going to be rarer. Hmm. Things like flair will come into that as well. So, you know, Ben White's uh, strike was probably quite flary, but again, he doesn't do it all the time. Flair is the uh, the idea that they can do the unexpected. Um, there's attributes as well, like yeah, composure, concentration, pressure, how well they deal with certain situations. And consistency, again, feeds into that. So... If Patrick Bamford has 13 finishing, but say really high consistency, maybe he's always going to finish at about a level of a 13, mm. whereas lower consistency might see him fall off from that. It's a bit more complicated than that, but it's probably the best way of describing it. Mm. And just one more question on this. To what extent do you have any say in um, the, the sort of behind the game mechanics? Is there any times when you can come out and say, look, I don't think that this particular set of attributes works well together um here's my input on that in my role as lead researcher um as with anyone at the company or in fact anyone in the community we're able to submit feature requests and um you know, question how the game works and suggest improvements obviously in my day job as feature designer i literally am one of the many many people in charge of that 
So I probably can't answer that question in the purest form because if, say, a group of attributes aren't working correctly, I get to go talk to the people in the team that are responsible for that and help improve it. Right, Bill, you're very much a front-end user of, of, of Football Manager, so it might be interesting to talk to you about your appreciation of, of the attributes that are given for sure. the Leeds players. So um, how do you feel about the, the attributes system? Is it, do you, when you're playing the game, you've done a save with Leeds, I believe. So yeah. when you're doing um, going through this save, presumably you get a good sense of, of what a player's attributes are. Um, yeah. Do you ever come across players and think, oh, that's that's not how I would have, have done it. That's not how I, the value that I would have given for various attribute X or Y. Um, how do you feel about the, the general um, attributes usage on, on Football Manager? Yeah, that sometimes happens. But I think with that, it's kind of the benefit of hindsight and like the way a specific manager has coached them. So Calvin Phillips in the game for me, like in real life, I always see him sort of as a holding midfielder just because that's how Bielsa's played him. But in Football Manager, I never really feel com- felt confident enough to put him in that specific role. But that's only because Bielsa has moulded him and changed him in that way. Like two years ago, everyone saw Calvin as a box-to-box midfielder. So I think it's quite easy after some managers changed him to think, OK, that's not quite right. Um, and so I'm sure that will be like updated for the next game um and also i think from like a front end user like even though we can't see consistency you can often through the other attributes see whether a player's consistent like there's often players who have such good technicals um but when then when you look at their mentals they're not quite at it like maybe they've got 10 work rate and you can kind of make a judgment about how consistent a player is going to be from that so um but yeah I think it's quite hard with this lead squad to really like judge whether they're spot on because a lot of it is from Bielsa. Like mm-hmm. when Bielsa took over the team, we were a mid-table. Well, we weren't mid-table, we were just outside the playoffs. So it's hard to know whether these players are actually at a level where they should be higher than this or whether it's just Bielsa's system is perfect and has kind of it makes them look better than they actually are. I think that's a really interesting point because you were saying before Bielsa took over, we finished 13th the season before he took over mm. and largely didn't change the squad. And yet we, you know, we probably should have finished in the top two. Of course, we just missed out. And then again, with very few changes, we went on and um, won the league by 10 points. And I think, yeah. like, like you say, I want Leeds in game to perform to how we see them do in real life. But should I suddenly make Calvin Phillips as good as you know, Andres uh, Iniesta or something like that to make sure well, that I happens. I think you should. <laughs> Na- naturally. But it's one of those, it's one of those, what is it, like you said yourself, is it, is it the player? Is it the mm. coach? Maybe is it a bit of both? Mm. And you're saying as well about how Calvin Phillips's profile maybe doesn't quite fit what you think in real life. Yeah. I guess it's, we need to, we want to reflect the player both, yes, of course, in the immediacy, but a bit like positions, you see a lot of people all the time saying, oh, well, so-and-so played one match here or two matches here, or when he was 15, he played here. Yeah. Of course, we need to, and Stuart Dallas is such a good example, so I'm going to use him. Stuart Dallas <laughs> has, I've got him in front of me, let's actually have a look. So he can play right back, left back, centre back, right wing back, <laughs> left wing back, right mid, left mid, centre mid, right wing, left wing, and attacking midfield centre. 
and I'm fully expecting to give him striker or something next year. Yeah. So obviously those aren't all a natural ability. So position again is rated from a 1 to 20 scale and that just shows how familiar you are with that position. Anything less than I think about 18 or so which is accomplished and you start seeing a few hits under the hood in the match engine to a few of your mental attributes. A bit like in real life, you know, if you've if you've got 20 positioning but you're normally a left back and I put you up front, well, your positioning is going to be off because you know how to position yourself as a left back. Mm. So someone like Stuart Dallas, what I need to try and do is get him to both look on the page like his real life self, perform on the pitch like his real life self. And again, of course, we you know we rely on the match engine uh, team to work there as well. But also, we were mentioning earlier about the uh, the ability level that he has. So if Stuart Dallas say is set at 127. Well, what I can't do because of how all the attributes are weighted according to position on the page, on the screen in FM, as high as maybe you might see in real life. But that's because it needs to apply to his dribbling in all situations on the pitch and across all his positions of which he's got many. And I yeah. can't, ex- you know, I can't exceed that that level at which I think he plays at. So say the 127, 130, something like that. If I wanted to give him all the attributes that he has in real life and all the positions, he might come out much higher than he should. And of course, on the pitch as well. So on the page, he might not look quite right, but on the pitch in FM, he will perform correctly, hopefully. So you have to make some decisions there. And sometimes you'll see a lot of players, you know, you get those players in FM that are just 13s and 14s everywhere, but you know they're going to be amazing because they're so well-rounded. That's one option. And then sometimes someone like Dallas, I've probably gone in the other direction. So his best things are his natural fitness, his stamina, his determination, his work rate, which are all 17, 18 level. And then some of his technicals are quite a bit lower. And I think when you see him play in real life, right, a lot of his ability does come from his his fitness and his mental aptitude, as opposed to maybe a natural technical ability. Of course, then Bielsa has brought more of that out in him, so I'm trying to bump him up a little bit, while keeping his... At the same time, Bielsa has also made him a centre-back. So it becomes, it becomes a little impossible to, you know, perfectly recreate Dallas. But you've got to make a few decisions there and hopefully get him performing how he does in real life and also looking at least a little bit like the Stuart Dallas we expect to see. I've got a question about updating the game. So you're, you're currently about to bring out a new update and obviously we can't really talk about that. But when, when, you're, start, when you're starting with the lead squad for the new update, do you take the old squad and the attributes from the players and just work with them and then tweak them or do you start from scratch um because obviously with what bill's asking about bielsa is that he's fundamentally changed those players in certain ways and so i'm kind of wondering whether or not you know there is a sort of tied over to before bielsa times in these players attributes and whether or not there's a slow lag in in the in in updating those players uh, abilities i think it depends as well on the researcher themselves so some people have different philosophies for how they approach stuff. I know the, the German research team really like to make solid decisions. So off the top of my head, I think it might have been Draxler when he was over there, had really quite poor physicals, but amazing technicals and mentals because they looked at him and just went, he is a technical and an intelligent player. So that's why we're going to put everything. We're really going to make him look like that player. So you can go that route or you could maybe you know smooth things over a little bit. When someone like Bielsa comes in, yeah, you, you change stuff. Calvin Phillips, for example. Uh, I know you might ask later about, you know, players I got wrong. Calvin Phillips. <laughs> when I first started doing the research, which was two or three years ago, I think. Actually, maybe a little more, maybe three or four years ago. Um, Calvin Phillips was probably the lower end of the lead squad. If you, if you go load up, oh, I don't know, FM 17, 16, 
go have a look at him and he will he will be nowhere near what he is now and he probably won't even have the potential to do it and i think it'd be fair to say that there are no leeds fans that thought he would be what he is when he came through with lewis cook sam byram uh, charlie taylor and that lot alex mowat i'd argue he was probably thought of as the weakest of the bunch you know when we lost ronaldo vieira two years ago I think many people wanted us to keep him and maybe lose Phillips if he gave us the choice, right? I remember him being on the bench quite a lot at that time. There was yeah. definitely a period where he just wasn't... Now it seems kind of... You can't even imagine him not in the team. But yeah, there definitely was a period where he was on the bench and yeah, a bit peripheral. What was that quote that Bielsa... I think Angus Kinnear talked about when he went to speak to Bielsa uh, before they before they signed the contract. He named, was it Phillips, Cooper, Dallas and maybe Eiling? And he was like, "These, are, I'll make these players the best in the championship. <laughs> and I guess he wasn't wrong. Yeah, spot on. Now to make them the best in the Premier League, right? <laughs> but yeah, so um, when Bielsa comes in, I, the first the first thing I did, to be honest, is make Bielsa a lot better. Um, he, <laughs> yeah. he, is, he is probably the best manager. Well, he's definitely the best manager of the championship, but by like a long way. And I think I haven't looked... But I think there's a chance that, you know, what I'm doing with him in the future. Uh, and we, we obviously keep the, the research live as we're going through. So it's never really it's never really necessarily focused on a certain release. We have a live oh, environment okay. where I can update stuff. So, yeah, your your previous question about hmm. do I start from scratch? I get all my stuff and constantly update it. So at the moment, I'm tweaking stuff. You know, when you see things, you try things out, see how it looks. Uh, and when someone signs a new contract, it's useful to be able to go in and just add that information. But I think... You know, as I'm doing Bielsa at the moment, there's a very good chance he's going to be one of the best managers at the top level as well. I do have a bit of a um, complaint about Bielsa because he's oh, so yeah. kind of good in football manager. It means that he gets poached almost immediately. I don't really like <laughs> to take him out of the game and Leicester always seem to come in. And in real life, I can't imagine him going to another team, no matter how big they are. That might be wrong. But is there any way you can kind of change the philosophy of a manager? like where they would go i think that's fair so we have we have a bunch of little tools both in-game tools and research tools to try and tweak things perfectly to real life so before i answer that a good one to mention when talking about someone like say calvin phillips you might have a player who you know sometimes you get a manager who comes in and goes i don't care if you're world class i don't like you as a player you're not playing Mm. in fm the struggle there sometimes for a researcher is well if i make him as good as he actually is the ai Mm. are going to pick him but I need to make sure this manager doesn't pick him. So rather than absolutely destroying his attributes, we have a couple of things in there where you can go, well, if, you know, manager X is in charge, he will actually see this player as half the ability he is or something like that, which will make sure that while they're in charge, they'll keep him out of the team. Um, So yeah, with with Bielsa, there's probably a few little tools. Um, Something we did with Charlie Taylor when, uh, when he announced, he softly announced that he was going to leave uh, at the end of that season, we put, I think, I don't know if you remember, we put something in FM where he would not sign a new contract. Literally, no matter what you did, he would not sign a new yeah, contract. Yeah, I remember that. It was yeah. really annoying because he was good. <laughs> yeah. Ac- accurate, though. I'm quite <laughs> pleased he left, actually. That was that was one of those ones we got right because uh, I said I was pleased he left. Not from my Leeds fan point of view, but from the uh, research side. It's pleasing we got it right. But um, so, yeah, with Bielsa, there possibly are a few little things we can do. But realistically... If I'm going to give him the attributes I think he deserves, he's always going to be an attractive prospect. And while, of course, you know, we like to think FM can predict the future and it does an okay job, there'll be a few anomalies and Bielsa's not going to be at Leeds forever. We hope he'll be here for a very long time, but he does his one-year contract things. And all it takes is, I don't know, Angus Kinnear to leave, a different CEO to come in, not quite give Bielsa what he wants. 
and he may well be off to Leicester. Can we talk about um, the process you go through with young players? Because obviously there will be players being added to the squad all the time. Um, how do you go about assessing those? Do you literally just have to go and watch games and open Y Scout and look at look at these players and work from scratch? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, watching a lot of football. And um, I think there's a there's a very soft rule of if you've not seen a player play about 10 matches, it's kind of unfair to rate them. And that goes for transfers too. So if we sign, say if we sign a player on deadline day this season and um, for whenever I'm doing my research for future releases, if I've not seen them play enough matches by the time any deadlines come along, maybe I just leave them as the previous researcher had them because it would be kind of unfair. You know, if that player comes in and scores a hat-trick on their debut, I kind of only got that information to go on. So I like to try and take a it's not it's not wrong until I can prove it's wrong approach. When new players come into the club from the academy, though, of course, they come in just completely blank. So we, we create them. Um, there are there are some occasions, of course, depending on um, depending on the various laws, we can have players. I believe that you need to be 16 on September the 1st um, to be included in FM. I think that's the case. Um, so sometimes players, you know, people will have an eye on them beforehand and will know maybe what the research is going to do with them. Um, or the research team in general. But say our, our academy players come into Leeds each summer. And yeah, I'll create them from scratch. And it's a case of watching as much of youth football as I can. Uh, like you say, using all the data that's available. There's various Twitter accounts. Is it the LUFCL Youth one, I think, which are great mm. for it. Um, LUTV or any other way of watching uh, watching matches is invaluable. Bielsa, again, though, kind of has made that a lot harder because was it we saw um, Casey playing DM against Hull mm. the other night mm. in the Phillips role and probably not doing a very good job of it. Yeah. But I don't believe I have him down as being able to play DM. I'm not sure he's actually done it before. Fair. <laughs> I yeah. don't think he's ever done it at any level, or at least not that I'm aware of, yeah. and then be able to put him there. So, of course, I could go make him a natural DM to make sure be able to fix him there, but that would also seem unrealistic. So sometimes you just get curveballs and you kind of just need to react. And, you know, the next time we put an update out, you can go, look, OK, I'll uh, I'll take what I've seen in real life. I'll take feedback and I'll improve on it. And so something with a lot of the youth players, sometimes we know we know a lot about them. So no one can. I know you wanted to ask about him and how he's a uh, he's a bit good. We've seen a lot of him. Uh, he's had links with some very, very big clubs. And he is I think he has a few things that really signal Maybe, maybe not as good as he was set to be in FM20, maybe better. Of course, we have those negative ranges. So for anyone who doesn't know about that, we were mentioning earlier the 1 to 200 scale, the way potential works. So you have a current ability, uh, current ability and a potential ability. Potential is your, say, genetic maximum, if you like. If everything goes your way, that's your ceiling improving as a player. Mm. So, you know, me, for example, doesn't matter how hard I train, I'm never going to be messy level. So I clearly don't have a 200 potential ability. Um, we for very young players we can set a range as opposed to a, a definite number so we could do say 100 to 130 and that means every time you load up a new save a number will be picked in that range for wh how good the player will become uh, Kenner has one of those so as opposed to a, a natural finite number he has a range and the things we'd seen from him really do indicate that at, for his age level he has things far beyond his peers and things that would suggest that he will continue to improve as well. So the mental side of the game and the physicality. Physicality obviously is something, of course, improves with age. But when you hit about 16, 17, a lot of, obviously the men's game, of course, I'm talking about, a lot of men have hit their full height. And then maybe there's a bit of filling out to do. But there's only so far you can go. 
And the mental side of the game is something obviously you typically pick up a bit later. If someone is showing a lot of proficiency in those areas, it's often quite a decent sign that they will continue on that trajectory. Obviously, there's a load of things to take into account there as well. And like anyone in football, of course, we get those right, we get those wrong. And we have the benefit of being able to, you know, modify it every every time we put an update out and just try and tweak it close to real life. But when someone like Kenner comes in, I know enough about him to really be able to give him a profile, fill it out properly, give him all the attributes, give him all the information and hopefully get him looking like his real life self. Mm. Sometimes a player will come in who we just don't know enough about. I mentioned earlier I like to see them play for about 10 games. Sometimes if they come in and I can't see any games, you know, at, at youth level or anything like that, and we don't have time to watch under 18s or they don't get into the squad, the best you can do is learn about their profile, learn about their positioning, learn, you know, their personal information, where they're from, things like that. And then leave it to the game. The game has mechanics where it'll be able to fill things in based on what I've done. So I don't have to fill everything in. I can fill a few things in. And when you load up the game, it will fill some holes and try and get them to fit a profile according to what I've already given them. It'll fit, fill things, other things out to make sure they're sort of appropriately uh, styled as a player. And then we can tweak from there. So when you're updating these profiles does it update on the game then it goes it goes straight into the updating system so if you're constantly making changes are the players constantly changing their attributes for the people in game so we can obviously we have a separate environment where we put our research in and of course that needs to go through a number of checks and everything so um, any internal build of the game it doesn't update immediately but obviously we have a number of builds internal before we ever release anything and those can be updated to reflect the latest data so how often does that does, does the player's attributes change then for people in-game? So it, it varies. Um, in terms of what we release, uh, we do obviously when we first release the game. Uh, I think depending on depending on each year, it really changes quite a lot. There's often that update um, just before Christmas, but that may or may not include research changes. There's usually a, uh, a big one after the, after the winter transfer windows, which is, say, March. Um, where you get a lot of data changes and then it'll be a case of again looking in the following summer but of course it's in a live environment um, and you know as you know, years ago when you used to have to just press cds you probably couldn't change it all year then when we move to steam you can change things a few times a year in the future maybe we could do it on a daily basis who knows um, but from my end i'm able to submit research um, to my head researcher as appropriate and then it can be put into the game as required Oh, this is this is all very fascinating and uh, weirdly like a lot of overlap with what we do at All Stats, aren't we? Because um, again, both Josh and I will spend, I don't think we'll spend 10 games before we'll say anything about a player um, who's coming in, but we certainly spend over five games watching a player before we'll do any scouting stuff as well uh, for, for similar reasons, you know, that we don't want to be saying things about a player just on the basis of a small sample size. And um, again, you know, we're, we're constantly analysing players at leads in a bid to sort of work out how good they are and to make those sorts of because um, that's the that's the interesting thing right it's not it's not simply about looking at a player and saying this player did this well today it's about working out trajectories career trajectories working out whether or not different systems would suit them better than the ones that they're in how they would look under different managers etc so uh, a, 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 an extreme amount of overlap there I, I suspect um I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Let's move on to talk a little bit more about the the culture of a football manager. So let's move over to you, Bill. Um, firstly, let's. why was it that you decided to set up this this Twitter account? Because How long has it been going now? Since um, November, I think. And you've yeah. got 85,000 followers or something. Yeah, when I started it, I thought maybe a max of like 5,000, 10,000. And then we got a quote tweet from a football manager and that's when it like started. But um, yeah, no, I think, I think it was when I was doing my dissertation, there was just one morning after I think a night out, uh, we were just <laughs> discussing like, because we used to go on to the like the subreddit of Football Manager, and we played it a lot, and it was just, I think we found it hilarious. All that thing, we were like, there's not a similar thing on Twitter. Um, so we kind of saw that there was a bit of a gap there. Uh, but I still didn't think it was really going to take off. I thought it was only me that found it funny, to be honest. But <laughs> I think that it kind of works because a lot of people play the game and find a sort of similar chord. Like, there's a lot of, a lot of the jokes are about similar things, like similar things that people do, mm. um, kind of, tendencies so i think a lot of people relate to it and that's why people find it funny so mm. yeah and so we're the being, general we're being overrun in midfield yeah ex- <laughs> exactly <laughs> so um the general idea is um that you you put out a lot of meme material yeah. essentially um but i think what i find so fascinating fascinating about it is that subculture that we've talked about and obviously there's going to be loads of different subcultures and presumably you could talk to us about there must be groups within the, the football manager fan community that do different things in different ways and um, and th- th- there must be, I mean, just a whole network of different uh, approaches to the game. So do you want to talk to us a little bit about that? What is it that you found out about the football manager community since November and do, just starting off this Twitter feed that presumably almost got out of hand? Um, what, yeah. what would you say you've learned about, about the football manager playing community from, from your time doing that? Well, I think the the community can kind of be split into maybe three areas. You've got kind of casual players who just kind of, I don't know, play it quite casually, like the memes and that's it. And then you have people who go quite in detail on the tactics. There's a whole sort of like forum on creating tactics, trying to like emulate real life managers. And some people really go into detail. Um, off the top of my head, there's a Twitter user called Guido Mary who does strikerless formations um so there yeah that's kind of a big thing and people who maybe focus a lot more on stats uh recently i read a sort of article where a guy tried to implement moneyball um so without basically he disabled all the attributes and he just signed players based off their stats so their goals per 90 um basically what teams do in real life um, and then I'd say the final kind of sub-community of football managers, maybe like the streamers. Um, so basically uh, over the last month or two, there's been a thing called the streamer showdown, which re- people have really got into. Um, and that's just people like watching 
lots sort of like personalities from YouTube, from Twitch, kind of going against each other. And I think a lot of the popularity, the popularity of the games increased because of these streamers who kind of make it accessible to uh, people on YouTube, people who like watching streams on Twitch. Where do you fit into those three groups? Are you are you in any particular one? Probably the first one, uh, but sometimes I've gone more into like the stats and stuff like that. So recently I did a, it took a long time, but I did a hundred simulations of the recent season. So I looked at who won the Prem in that time, like which teams won the Champions League, which players got in the team of the year. Uh, so it's mostly quite sort of uh, not taking it very seriously with like pictures and videos, but sometimes branch out into other things just so you engage people who maybe take it a bit more seriously in a less into it for just the casual side and what about your own playing habits like how much are you playing the game how much do you um do you get sort of involved in a save and and follow it along through to a to a conclusion do you ever have a save that goes on hundreds and hundreds of years (laughs) no i am considering i run a twitter page for i definitely don't play it as much as that um i i think for the first two months i definitely play it quite a lot not like a ridiculous amount, but uh, play it every day, maybe for like an hour or two. Um, but then after maybe the two months, then you play it on like maybe a weekly basis. I'm quite bad in that I'll start a save and then I'll get 10 years in. But when it just turns to regents, it becomes, I think it becomes harder to sort of engage with it because I like the feeling that you're actually managing a team with players that you know. Um, and also after... 10 years I often find it becomes a bit too easy because there are so many good regens that you can buy and it becomes quite hard no it becomes quite easy to just create like a super team so I definitely I don't think I've ever played a game for much longer than 10-20 years but yeah I play it quite a lot when it first comes out Mm. definitely and Seb how do you fit into this do you are you regularly playing the game yeah so I I probably go um obviously working on it and playing on it are kind of two different things i probably go through a little bit of the year of not so much playing it because we're in you know very very heavy focus on working on it and then there's a little bit of a quieter period and then i'll usually pick up a save and maybe maybe the opposite i go i go very deep i much prefer the uh, doing leads research means i always start a game as leads but it kind of feels a bit like cheating because <laughs> if patrick bamford isn't performing i i'm the one who would get to change his finishing so maybe i should just change his finishing and it's all good um so i'll do a little test save test save leads but then um the last couple of years i've done leamington so starting down in the bottom levels in england in the conference north and taking them from the bottom to the top turning them into champions league winners into uh into premier division winners and then yeah maybe the opposite to you bill i really like the uh the new gen side so bringing through new gens are the the created players to fill the space so when um when uh, say Marco Royce retires, um, we obviously can't be having all the players leave the game. We need to create new ones. So just like in real life, young players come through academies, and those are those are computer generated players. We've got some very sophisticated systems, which is what I used to work on in QA actually, um, to get those looking good. And that's the part of the game I really really enjoy finding finding this player that literally exists in no one else's save ever, and taking them from you know an unheard 16 year old to Champions League finalist. Are the um are the regens based on like players in real life? So when they're generated, do they kind of create a player who fits, say, Ronaldo's profile, or is it just completely random? 
Like, how does that work? Probably can't go into too much detail, but it's definitely not random. But of course, there is variance in there. And when you say, is it created to like fit someone's profile? No, but then with a bit of yes. So the way the way we'll tend to do it is obviously I said if Marco Royce retires, we'll replace him. We don't literally replace Marco Royce. Mm. We try and model it as much on real life. So every year you've got uh, an academy intake come in. We did a feature in FM20, the development center, which obviously gave you a lot more control over that side of it. And the players will come in based on the the level your club is at, the facilities your club has got to be able to produce good youngsters, just like real life, the region you're in, the country you're in. So if you're managing, um, let's say, Dortmund, for example, you know, a top tier nation, a top tier club with amazing facilities, a good reputation for producing those young players, you'll probably get a lot better players than if you're managing like I was Leamington. Uh, and then even more so if you're managing, say, over in Indonesia, where let alone the clubs and the facilities not being quite to the same standard, but football isn't maybe considered a national priority. A lot, a lot fewer people are going to go into it. There's less funding for it. You'll probably see fewer good players at that level, just like real life. The idea is that we want to... So, you know, you're saying you, you went forward 100 years. Hopefully, if you were to look at the players throughout that game, of course, they'd be different. Now, there isn't going to be an Argentinian inside forward left-footed magician as the best player in the world. But there should hopefully be this little group of players right at the top that, you know, that yeah. look like Lionel Messi, look like Cristiano Ronaldo, even if one of those is a centre-back. And then maybe there's going to be this chunk below them. You know, your, um, your I say Kevin De Bruyne, but actually he's probably up there, isn't he? But your, your Suarez is a few years ago, your, your Salas, your Mane's, those sort of players. And then again, you'd step down. So we have a lot of, lot of very, very sophisticated stuff that'll work out what's required in what place and then put those in the, in the right parts of the world. And if we're creating just one individual player, of course, those are based on templates and things like that. But there's an awful, awful lot that goes into that. And a few years ago, actually, I think FM17, I think it was, we, um, we spent a lot of time refining uh, that code. So something that I think was a fair criticism before FM17 is if you got your, well, Noah Kennan, for example, if you got him through, you basically knew if everything was in the right place, he's probably going to end up a superstar. What we did in FM17 is added a lot more variance to that and a much more varied curve of development. So in the past, it used to be quite linear because it was based on you know, a few things that maybe didn't change. It's now recalculated all the time. So even if a great player is generated, that's only half the battle, right? Getting someone who has the potential of, say, a Ravel Morrison, you actually need not only for the player to have the right attitude and to, to stay free of injuries, but you need the right training. You need the manager to look after them in the right way. They need to be loaned out at the right age and trained at the right age and all that sort of stuff. And we did a lot of work on making sure that even if you follow the absolute perfect trajectory, there's still a chance that player doesn't make it. And then on the flip side, there's a chance that someone who, Jemmy Vardy, for example, who in theory had everything against him in terms of becoming a top class footballer from an amateur level, actually can make it at the top level. I think, um, yeah, I, with what you were saying about the variability, I've definitely seen that because I've seen screenshots of one player in someone's save and they just look completely different to how they've developed in my save. So I definitely think that um, has actually happened. Um, you made a point about, I think it was, so if you're in Indonesia, like you wouldn't have that many players because it's not a national priority. Um, and I remember someone saying, that they thought a really good change would be say if you wanted to like do a save where you were the like national manager of Indonesia as it is currently there's no real way of ever getting like making the nation good at football because the nation will constantly sort of churn out like quite 
not that great players. And it'd be quite cool if you could find a way of increasing the na- like national reputation so that eventually they can compete at World Cups like sure. uh, China. So if China invested, I don't know, billions into their football infrastructure within 20 or 30 years, they could have these world-class players. Do you reckon as the national team manager, you can influence uh, governmental policy and get billions put into football? I joke, but so um, when you're a club manager, say if you take over, I think a popular save is often, you know, take over a Shamrock Rovers or something like that. Um, if you have enough enough success, you absolutely can raise the reputation of your league, which will, it's, you know, it's one of many, many factors that will influence how good those players are that come through. Um, I think anything... Like you say, anything on the sort of, you know, national governmental side is probably outside of football. But hey, stick it in, go on the forums, stick it in as a feature request and it'll get reviewed along with everything else. How much um, engagement do you have with fans, Seb? Do you do you have much um, back and forth with them? Are you, are you known amongst players of the game? Uh, me, personally, probably not. I, I try, I talk to people on Twitter where I can and especially the forums. The forums is... Uh, probably the best place to go to interact with us and for us to interact with the community. Um, but we have, obviously, we have a great PR comms department. I think Miles is probably pretty well known, I'd say. He's our studio director. He interacts with the community a fair bit. And um, Tom and Dom, who probably are the, I'd say the faces, I don't know if that's quite fair, but um, they head the PR department in terms of in terms of doing any live streams or looking after the Twitter account for Foot Manager or anything like that. And they very much believe in yeah, talking to the community and taking people's things on board. I think I hope that we, we listen, we really definitely try. I think a a decent sign of that is there's a lot of features in the game that have not come from us. There's an awful lot of stuff in there, really, really good stuff that have come from people in the community saying, Why don't you do this? and it goes into the exact same pool as everything internal gets considered. And even if it's, you know, we're not saying submit a, a full 400 page feature document, but even just that, you know, that acorn of an idea, we'll take it and we'll run with it. And, you know, some of that is literally my job. There's many people in this year and there's a lot of people involved in building these things, of course. And Miles very much at the top of that. But if someone has a good idea, we'll take it and we'll build it into what we think would be something people will want to use in our game. And how do you feel about having the the ultimate power over Leeds United in this fictitious world of a football <laughs> manager? Is it, is it the case that if I was to play, I don't play football manager really, but if I were to play football manager and wanted to do well with Leeds, if I just followed your Twitter account and saw what you were saying about Leeds players, that I would suddenly have an insight into what's going on in the Leeds squad uh, behind the scenes? I actually reckon that, I guess... When talking on Twitter, I'm talking as the Leeds fan. You know, the guy that I, I clearly don't sound like I'm from Leeds. But I, uh, when I was when I was 11 or 10 actually, but turning 11, uh, my dad, who moved to Leeds, uh, took me to the New Year's game Leeds Middlesbrough. And as soon as I walked out of Edinburgh Road, I was like, Yeah, no, this one, this one, <laughs> this is definitely the one for me. So I've I've been a fan for a very long time through some very dark years. So I would say I would say you know on Twitter or wherever when I'm talking to my brother who. My brother's an Arsenal fan, despite his first game also being Leeds. It happened to be, you know, that 4-1 loss in the FA Cup <laughs> where Viduka charged down Lehman yeah. uh, and it looped in over his head. Yeah, that was my brother's first game That's and he's lame. now an Arsenal fan. That's really lame. <laughs> I know, I know. You can't go to Elland Road and then come away supporting <laughs> the opposition. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's had the better 15 years, though, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah, so I'd, I'd say my Twitter account is probably more like my personal feelings, whereas... Whereas my research, I try and put that professional hat on. And so, yeah, if 
if uh, Bamford's I really really like Bamford especially as a as a guy but I think what he does you know there's a reason he's our striker in the top at the top level and our very expensive signing hasn't just come straight in and I think actually Rodrigo might spend some time on the right before he spends time at number nine Bielsa mm. likes him he does a lot for the team yeah we know he doesn't score the goals he should maybe he's going to be did it against Liverpool mm. my personal feelings on that I guess aren't as important as when I sit down with my with my researcher hat on and go, okay, fine, hilarious, he missed a chance at the weekend. But actually, if I watch that game a couple of times, if I look at the stats, hmm. how do I represent that in number form? And probably similar to yourself, right, John? Yeah. You know, you have feelings on players. We we, we know you have a, uh, a relationship <laughs> with a certain Adam. <laughs> but realistically, you know, the stats are going to tell you what they're going to tell you. And even if you maybe see something you like or you just you just like the way he plays you can probably be a little bit objective about it. So I try and separate those two things. Yeah, that's really interesting, I think, because I think the the, the understanding generally is, is if you have a, f- a favourite player, then you're going to be biased towards them. But um, I don't know if this is the case for you, but I think for both Josh and I, our favourite players often are based on the players who we actually watch a lot of, of, of times and then see... The, the, the hidden numbers, well, the underlying numbers, not hidden numbers, but the numbers that they're putting up and we, we watch the games back and we see what it is they're doing off the ball and, and our favourites players are based on that. So that, again, we're, we and we always have been stands of, of uh, Pat Bamford for, for similar reasons to why you yourself are. Um, there's a reason why we, we why we stand Adam for sure on our team, and and that's because if you you know if you if you look back on the rolling XG figures for last season when Adam Forshaw was in the team we were do- dominant beyond belief in the championship, and as soon as he left the team we weren't. Oh yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm with you on that as well. That those two weights we play, it feels like because really what Click is doing the sort of middling one, and Hernandez does the advanced one. Mm. Click feels almost more suited to pushing further forward even if he's mm. pressing from the front Forshaw seems to do that thing that no one else quite does which yeah. is in between the boxes right mm-hmm. yeah totally agreed so yeah I, I can I can totally understand how how that wouldn't be a wouldn't be a problem and I think you know it's an important thing for us at All Stats on Wheater to be constantly addressing like what are our biases like we love Adam Forshaw but what if he has a bad game how do you how do you um, deal with that sort of thing how do you deal with a player dropping off in terms of form how do you even assess whether or not a player has had had a good or bad game so it does sound sound very very similar right I'm I'm very aware of time and I've take I've kept you guys longer than I said I was going to have you but I could have talked to you both for, for ages and ages on this and um, I've really enjoyed this um, Seb you've said that maybe you'll come back on um, after the next release so we can have a talk a little bit about the the, the, the Leeds team sort of fresh out of the box um, as we see it. And, and Bill, if you'd be keen to come on and help me interrogate, Seb, that would be great as well. <laughs> yeah. I look forward to hearing about everything I've got wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, of course. But guys, thank you so much for coming on. Um, Seb, for people who want to follow your stuff and, and want to, to see what you're putting out, where's the best place for them to go? Um, for me personally, Seb Wassell on Twitter, which is at S-E-B-W-A-S-S-E-L-L. But if you're interested in, I'll, I'll tweet Football Manager, Leeds, FPL, whatever. That's that's just for me. If you're interested in Football Manager stuff, follow the Football Manager Twitter, uh, follow Miles, go on the forums. Uh, I think we announced today that we have FM20 free on Epic. So if you're interested in Football Manager, go give it a go over there. And Bill, for people who want to follow your site where's where's the best place, place for them to go you'll probably get sick of us within a week but um <laughs> our at is no context fm1 i think so yeah that's probably the best but like i say after a while you'll get sick of us so 
the best place for football manager bugs on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> there are there are one or two we've taken from you and gone, eh, we'll have that. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to hear. With the ringing endorsement of you'll probably get fed up of us in a week. Um, <laughs> do do head over to, to Out of Context Football Manager and see what see what they're doing. They will either make you laugh or make you contact a lawyer or something um (laughs) but guys thank you both so much for coming on it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you and um no doubt we will chat again in the future thanks so much for having me yeah cheers Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 